Mike, snow warning issued. How much to expect and where and when it could start falling. Plus. It fell flat. The public didn't buy it at the end of the day. Cater crumbles. Why the closest thing to ride hailing in Vancouver has been suspended. And. You want to try to sit up, hon? Do you want to try? A BC man seriously injured in Thailand and why his family is struggling to bring him home. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with a warning issued by Environment Canada. The Fraser Valley could see between 5 to 10 centimeters of snow, and it could start falling before the end of this newscast. Grace Key has our top story. Kelowna got hit with snow overnight. It started falling around 11 o'clock, catching some drivers off guard. Now the same system that hit the Okanagan will be making its way to the lower mainland, bringing snow to the Fraser Valley. The eastern Fraser Valley is expected to get the worst of it, about 5 centimetres Sunday night with another 2 to 4 centimetres on Monday morning. Tomorrow morning's commute is going to be interesting. Places near sea level, it should be just showers by then. But then again, it's the upper levels and it's eastern sections, uh, Langley, Maple Ridge on, that could be seeing snow still or a rain-snow mix during your early morning commute on your Monday. Abbotsford is gearing up for the snow. Four de-icing trucks will be hitting the roads throughout the evening and into the morning with additional staff standing by if needed. Flurries were already hitting parts of the area. Families out for a walk at Como Lake and Coquitlam braved the wet snow. At the Santa Claus Parade in downtown Vancouver, the global BC float churned out snow along the route, but the real stuff was spotted lightly swirling down. I did see snowflakes, but I wasn't sure if they were real ones or off the thing there. And the snow started just a little bit. We were hoping it would pick up for the parade. It's pretty cold, and I think it's going to snow maybe on next week. The morning commute could be a slick, slushy drive, but conditions might not last long with rain expected in the afternoon. Grace Key, Global News. And Kasha Badurka is here with more on what to expect. Kasha. Hi, yeah, we're still looking at strong indications that parts of the lower mainland will be getting the snow. Haven't seen much yet, but according to this model, trace amounts, the North Shore Mountains, down through Maple Ridge, Chilliwack, five centimeters of snow. And look at that, Hope, 13 centimeters by tomorrow afternoon. Hence the snowfall warning that continues to be in effect. This general area, eastern sections of the Fraser Valley, that's where we're looking at a good five to 10 centimeters of snow beginning this evening. So it should be wrapping up tomorrow afternoon, but that spells a messy commute for these areas. What's going on is we do have a weak area of low, low pressure. That's why this is somewhat of a contentious issue. It's colliding with a very cold air mass that may fizzle out some of this precipitation. But again, your best bet would be through the Fraser Valley. I'll talk about your morning commute coming up. Colleen? All right. Thanks for that, Kasha. Now, that weather likely a factor in a serious crash tonight on Highway 97A south of Armstrong. The crash closed the highway in both directions late this afternoon and with no detour available many travelers are currently stuck check globalnews.ca for the latest details with below freezing temperatures the city of vancouver is keeping two warming centers open overnight the britannia community center and overdose prevention society on east hastings will remain open the city says extra shelter space is also available at the youth services center on berard and the salvation army belkin house on homer 
Another fire overnight in a Vancouver home that was slated for demolition. Fire crews extinguished flames that broke out on 33rd Avenue between Clarendon and Nanaimo. Firefighters say it appears to be accidental and believe it may have been started by a homeless person. No one was living in the home at the time. The house is on a block of five houses that are all set for demolition. Well, as Kasia mentioned, the morning commute could be messy, and now there's one less way to get around. It was billed as the cab company's answer to Uber and Lyft. Cater, launched with great fanfare in the spring, has suddenly suspended operations. Keith Baldry joins us live with more. And Keith, what happened? Uh, I just sort of lost uh, all hearing there for a moment there, uh, Colleen. Still trying to get to the bottom of this. Very mis Out of the blue, Cater, of course, had been up and running as a sort of a hybrid ride-hailing service for only a few months. Not a lot of people taking advantage of its services. A lot of people questioned its economic model. It was prepared to pay drivers more than Uber and Lyft. Yesterday, without, uh, with so sort of suddenness, unexpected, uh, uh, Cater released the following statement, basically saying yesterday morning, uh, just uh, before noon, it released this statement saying, uh, in light of the impending legalization of ride-hailing services here in BC, Cater has made the decision to focus on our ride-hailing model immediately. Therefore, Cater has stopped operating its current hybrid fleet of cars and has started the process of switching to our full-scale ride-hailing operations, launching in the very, new very near future. A lot of questions remain here, Colleen. We don't know exactly what near future is defined as, and we don't know where they're going to be operating. Maybe it's outside of Metro Vancouver. We tried to catch up with two of the NDP MLAs on that all-party ride, uh, all-party committee looking at ride hailing. They weren't available, but we did catch up to a BC Liberal MLA, Jazz Joel, who is on that committee, and he places the blame here squarely at the feet of the Vancouver Taxi Association. It was, uh, it was an attempt by the Vancouver Taxi Association to make sure ride hailing didn't succeed in this province, and the city particularly, and it fell flat. The public didn't buy it at the end of the day. It was cynical public policy, encouraged by the NDP. And the fact that yesterday's letter came out and said, we're not moving forward, well, it tells you the public didn't buy it either, and thank God for that. So another bit of, a, bit of a, a stumble on the road calling to getting right hand. We still don't know when it's coming. Uh, Transportation Claire Tribune this past week, as did Premier John Horgan, both expressing confidence. Some sort of ride hailing services are going to be up and running before the new year, but it's still a lot of questions to be answered. And with Cater's departure, unexpectedly, it does leave a lot of questions hanging. This is an, an issue that's been sort of festering for some time, and I have a feeling it's going to go on for a while yet. I don't think you're going to see a flood, flooded market of sudden ride hailing service cars before Christmas for those proverbial Christmas parties to take everybody home. All right. Thanks, Keith. The IIO has now taken over the investigation into a multi-vehicle crash that injured five people last night, including a Coquitlam Mountie. RCMP say the cruiser was traveling through the intersection of Lougheed and Westwood with emergency lights and sirens on when the crash occurred just before 6 o'clock. Police are also now clarifying that there is no evidence of impaired or distracted driving. None of the injuries is considered serious. It's been almost a month since a hit-and-run driver killed three international students in Kamloops and injured a fourth. The lives of the three young men were remembered this week, and as Kristen Robinson reports, their friends are hoping justice will be served. Friends and family gather to celebrate three young lives cut short. They were all nice, funny, vibrant young individuals that had so many goals. Still struggling to understand why Faye Sola, David Adeboale, Daniela Kocha, and Kelvin Adeojo are gone. This, everything happens for a reason, but I don't know why this happened. I can't. I don't know. I can't figure it out. I can't. I, I'm trying, but I can't. 
The three Thompson Rivers University international students killed last month after their car was struck by a blue pickup that police say blew a stop sign on Battle Street at First Avenue in Kamloops. Standing shock. No one, no one really saw that happening. It was, it was pretty devastating. The driver accused of running from the scene, the truck's registered owner, arrested hours later. I was hurt, I was angry, and um, I just, I was confused. RCMP spent time at a duplex two kilometers away, where neighbors say a downstairs tenant used to park a blue Ford pickup. Police confirm their presence related to the hit and run. The morning after the incident, they got their warrants and went in and searched the premises. It was kind of surreal that like everything was kind of going down just next door. Well, I just thought it was weird that they had a dog and they were here for like nonstop for four nights. Originally from Nigeria, all three men came to Canada to study, working together at a hotel in Sun Peaks. Each and every single one of these boys were super pleasant, funny, amazing, very generous. So sad to lose somebody so good. I feel no matter how angry I am towards the driver, it can't bring back my friend. So the best thing is just to move on, forgive. No charges have been laid as the investigation continues. Justice needs to be served, that's for sure. Kristen Robinson, Global News. An arrest warrant has been issued for a second man in a shocking getaway attempt in Surrey earlier this year. 41-year-old Christopher Mino is now wanted in connection with the gate-crashing exit at a Surrey townhouse complex in May. Surveillance video captured a dramatic takedown after RCMP were called to 138th Street and 100 Avenue on an unrelated matter. When police arrived, two vehicles tried to flee. A Honda got stuck at a gate and a Chevy Colorado collided with a police car as it sped off. Two men seen running from the Honda were arrested. 31-year-old Ryan Molnar was charged with multiple offenses. Mino was later charged with willfully resisting or obstructing a peace officer along with three firearms offenses. A major announcement on this World AIDS Day. The disease is no longer an epidemic in B.C. At a news conference in Gastown this afternoon, the province announced great strides in fighting HIV-AIDS since World AIDS Day began 31 years ago. The number of cases has been cut by more than half in our province in the past 15 years alone, making B.C. a world leader in research and treatment. AIDS as a pandemic or an endemic, uh, sorry, as an epidemic disease in British Columbia uh, is basically no more. From around 1987 up until 1994, there were more than 840 diagnoses of HIV-AIDS per year, every year. Today, on the occasion of World AIDS Day, I'm proud to share that British Columbia marks record low cases of HIV-AIDS and that we are in a moment in BC history that we can say that the that HIV-AIDS crisis has transitioned from an epidemic to chronic disease management. Also today, the BC Centre for Excellence in HIV-AIDS also unveiled a new research lab on Powell Street to support ongoing research for people living on the downtown east side. It's a cautionary tale for anyone considering heading out of the country without adequate travel insurance. An Nanaimo retiree was badly injured while snowboarding in Thailand. He didn't have insurance, and as Paul Johnson reports, his family is struggling to bring him home amid massive medical bills. What's your other favorite song, Three Little Monkeys? Here's some video of Dan Treacher in finer form with his family in Canada. Want to try to sit up, hon? 
Do you want to try? But this is life for Treacher now. A struggle to survive in a hospital in Thailand. He snowbirds back and forth. The 66-year-old BC native has been a regular sojourner in Thailand since he married a Thai woman a few years ago. In September, he fell from a ladder at her house and needed brain surgery. On top of their worries about him, his daughters are now grappling with another crisis. Who pays for all of this? So we have to pay everything out of pocket. Treacher's daughters have learned that, for a lot of complicated reasons, their dad didn't have emergency medical insurance for Thailand. So they've been footing the bill for his ongoing care, about $2,000 a week. But to get him home, a medical evacuation will cost $75,000. It's been a crash course in disappointment. Our embassies have very limited things that they can do for us. It's not like the movies. You can't just run there and they're going to get you home. It doesn't work that way. If you are traveling anywhere outside of the Canadian borders, you have to have travel insurance, at the least emergency medical for this type of situation. Bring Dad home. So for now... This is Treacher's insurance policy, the resourcefulness of those who love him. At the Lanceville Pub in Nanaimo Sunday night, they hope a special fundraiser might bring in a few thousand. Not enough to get him home yet, but a start. It's been extremely hard. And a way of keeping up their hope that Dad will hang on until they can get him home. He is a fighter beyond all fighters because he's still going. Paul Johnson, Global News. The B.C. government is looking at spending up to $700,000 to protect our drinking water. A year-long investigation by more than 120 journalists, including Global News, found hundreds of thousands of Canadians could be consuming tap water that contains high levels of lead leaching from aging infrastructure. B.C.'s Ministry of Health is seeking bids from companies to design and construct new water systems, review water protection, and establish guidelines for emergency response plans. Currently, risks to users in areas with limited water treatment and aging infrastructure are not addressed. I think, uh, in general, we do quite well uh, with drinking water in B.C., and the reason we do is because the people in charge are uh, our health professionals, uh, are our medical officers of health who do uh, an excellent job of ensuring standards are high and respond when they need to respond. But that doesn't mean it's not an enormous task in a province where populations are growing and where uh, our systems are always tested. An estimated 20 to 30,000 people braved the chilly temperatures in downtown Vancouver this afternoon for the 16th annual TELUS Santa Claus Parade. They joined a number of our global colleagues for a chance to see jolly old St. Nick himself. Here's a look.
And the parade will be broadcast throughout the holidays right here on Global. The first airing on Saturday, December 14th at 10 o'clock in the morning and again at 4.30 in the afternoon. In an effort to reduce carbon production, the premiers of Ontario, Saskatchewan and New Brunswick have signed an agreement to collaborate on the development of nuclear energy. That will be on the agenda when all the country's premiers meet tomorrow in Toronto. The Trans Mountain Pipeline will also be on the agenda. Global's David Aiken has more. Even though the meeting is in Toronto, it is Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe, who is the current group of premiers and territorial leaders. They're known as the Council of the Federation. And it will be Moe's job to try to forge some consensus. This meeting is uh, to discuss uh, points that we can agree on, to discuss uh, can we come to a consensus on a few items. But there's a lot they disagree on. Quebec's Bill 21, for example, which bans teachers, police officers, and other provincial employees from wearing religious symbols on the job. Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister has asked Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to step in, while Quebec Premier Francois Legault thinks Pallister should butt out. And they know very well that I will stick to my position and that it's a decision by Quebecers and Quebecers only. Then there's pipeline corridors. Legault and BC's John Horgan are resistant, while Moe, New Brunswick's Blaine Higgs, and Alberta's Jason Kenney are insistent on new east-west energy corridors. Our focus, frankly, is on issues of immediate concern to, to Albertans. What, first of all, getting guarantees for the completion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. There is also no agreement among premiers to change the equalization formula. Equalization is a, you know, a very uh, a divisive conversation at times. But there might be consensus on tinkering with a separate but similar program called fiscal stabilization. That's a program to get federal cash to regions that get hit with sudden economic shocks, such as the West has felt with the sudden drop in the price of oil. Uh, Kenny said that kind of help is vital for Alberta, and it's a point he'll soon make directly to Prime Minister Trudeau. I'll be spending about three days in Ottawa uh, next week with a number uh, of senior members of our team in a full court press to ensure that our Alberta voice is heard loud and clear uh, by the new Trudeau cabinet. Meanwhile, Ontario's Doug Ford is ready to play the role of the great unifier. His vehicle to do that? Well, get all the provinces to agree that Ottawa needs to give everyone more money for health care. In New Orleans, 10 people are now in hospital, two in critical condition after an early morning shooting. It happened on Canal Street in the city's famed French Quarter, a popular tourist hub that saw many people gather over the Thanksgiving weekend for an annual university football event. Police managed to detain at least one person, but no charges have been laid. Four police officers were among the 21 people gunned down, killed rather, in a gun battle with suspected cartel members in a Mexican town near the U.S. border. Police are still on the hunt for members of that group that arrived in a convoy of trucks yesterday and attracted and attacked the city of Via Union, shooting at local government offices. The bullet-riddled vehicles were left abandoned in the streets, marked with CDN, 
the initials for a cartel operating in the region. Mexican authorities say there have been more than 29,000 homicides in the country so far this year. While we brace for snow here, it was a weather nightmare today for travelers trying to get home from American Thanksgiving, the busiest day of the year for travel in the U.S. As Global's Jennifer Johnson reports, heavy snow, rain, sleet and wind are wreaking havoc for millions. Blizzard conditions across South Dakota have dumped 40 centimeters of snow, with wind gusts reaching 80 kilometers per hour. Authorities are investigating if poor weather contributed to a small plane crash in Chamberlain that killed nine people. At Buffalo Niagara International Airport, icy conditions caused a Delta Airlines plane to slide off the runway. No injuries were reported. And in New England, the storm's latest target, travelers are desperate to get out. Looking at the weather, we knew we weren't going to get out. So we tried Manchester where we were going out of, couldn't get out, couldn't get out of Boston, and we got a flight out of here. All major airlines have sent out travel alerts through Tuesday as thousands of flights are canceled and delayed across the U.S. on this busiest travel day of the year. Blizzard conditions hit Denver, too, making reporting almost impossible. Heavy snow left tourists stranded at the Grand Canyon. Further south in Phoenix, authorities have recovered the bodies of two children and continue to search for a third after the vehicle they were in got stuck in a swollen creek. We don't quit. We, we're continuing, uh, especially with the fact that it's cold weather, adverse conditions, and young children. Heavy snow, sleet, high winds, and flash floods across the country have wreaked havoc for Thanksgiving holiday travelers all week. Lake Superior looks like an ocean. Winter storm warnings have been issued from New England to Northern California, making only ski resorts happy. It was just summer, and now it's totally winter. But authorities are asking travelers to stay off the roads. If they absolutely have to come, check the weather, make sure you're prepared, and just know what you're getting into. New Englanders now ready to take on Mother Nature's wrath. I looked at my shovel situation, and it's not good. The National Weather Service is predicting up to 45 centimeters of snow in some parts of New England, along with freezing cold temperatures. Storms no one is thankful for as this holiday weekend comes to a close. Jennifer Johnson, Global News. Secretary General Antonio Guterres says global efforts to stop climate change haven't been enough. But let's be clear, until now, our efforts to reach these targets have been utterly inadequate. He says the world has enough scientific knowledge and technical means to limit global warming levels and that if we don't act swiftly, we may soon reach a point of no return. Without offering proof, Brazil's president is connecting Leonardo DiCaprio with massive fires in the Amazon this year. The Brazilian president says DiCaprio funded nonprofit groups he claimed are partly responsible. In an Instagram statement on Saturday, DiCaprio denied the allegations. DiCaprio's environmental organization Earth Alliance has pledged $5 million to help protect the Amazon. As we head towards the holidays, what we can all do to reduce food waste at the same time, help the environment. We'll have that right after the forecast. And Kesha, I know a lot of people are waiting with bated breath to hear what you have oh. to say tonight. All right. Stay tuned. Yeah, here we go. It's been the first snowfall of the season for many of us across the province. In fact, this was taken in Kelowna today. Measurable snow over here. We picked up a good two centimeters of snow. But of course, the big story is tomorrow morning's commute. Some people in Metro Vancouver may have a commute like this. Though Metro Vancouver downtown, it's just a 60% chance 
chance of showers. However, the Fraser Valley, the further east you go, it could be a rain-snow mix. It could even be snow with that snowfall warning in effect for eastern sections of the Fraser Valley. But all of these places do have a risk of snow over the next 24 hours. And this particular model, so this is the Canadian model, that's giving us a good 13 centimeters of snow in places near Hope. Uh, just trace amounts for the North Shore Mountains, but that is still some snow nonetheless. Maple Ridge down to even Abbotsford. Uh, places like Langley could pick up a centimeter or so of snow. And then there are other models like this one. This is the North American model, which actually had much less amount. A very conservative model, only three centimeters of snow in Hope. All of this to say, this is a tough one because this is a very weak system. Here it is upon the general area. We did pick up snow over Vancouver Island. Here's a closer look at what's happening. So this is snow at upper levels. You can see that in a rain-snow mix. But the question is how much is going to be falling. So essentially what's been happening is this weak system has been interacting with very cold, dry air mass. And that's been fizzling out a lot of this moisture that these models have been picking up. So this is tonight at 11, I posit. So this is what we are expect expecting. Could be a rain-snow mix and that snow at upper levels and especially for the Fraser Valley. And now I'm going to posit for your morning commute. So it should be wrapping up. But again, it's those eastern sections that could be on the messy side tomorrow morning. Meanwhile, it's a cold one. Temperatures dropping down to overnight lows in the minus mid-teens. Kelowna, minus 14 through the overnight. Same for you in Dawson Creek, minus 5 for you in Vancouver. That's going to be the overnight low. But then temperatures are going to be going up to about 2 degrees before the morning. That's why we could see that changeover to showers. Meanwhile, in the north, oh, well, this is imminent. This is your snowfall, 15 centimeters tonight, an additional 10 to 15 tomorrow in land sections of the north coast. Meanwhile, the BC piece tonight, flurries are possible in periods of snow on your Monday. It's also going to be a very gusty one in the BC piece tomorrow. White horse, a sun cloud mix, but tonight it's two to four centimeters of snow. Very gusty conditions over there. Also quite active for you along the north coast. Rain tonight should be wrapping up tomorrow, but it's going to be a windy night as well. Here in the central interior, things are starting to pick up for you. I know it's been calm. A chance of flurries overnight, two to four centimeters of snow tomorrow. The Columbia and the Kootenai, periods of snow tonight, two to four centimeters. A heads up over here. Thompson Okanagan, you already picked up snow. An additional two to four tonight. Periods of snow beginning for you in Whistler tonight. And on the island, a little bit more quiet, though we do have a 60% chance of showers tomorrow. Here's a look at Metro Vancouver over the next several days. Colleen. What a change. All right. Mm. Thanks so much for that, Kasia. Food waste is a growing problem all over the world, and it's taking its toll not only on our wallets, but also on the environment. Worldwide, more than a billion tons of food is wasted every year. And as Global's Reggie Giacchini explains, the problem often starts in our own refrigerators. We've all done it. Opened the fridge, winced at what's lurking inside, and started the purge. A third to 50% of food uh, waste being attributed to consumers. Labels have become something of a fear factor. In the kitchen, we live by, when in doubt, throw it out. Not understanding the meaning of best before or sell by. We find that those dates refer to the peak quality of the food. You can still eat it after that date in most cases. Canadians throw out 2.38 million tons of food every year. The average American, about 400 pounds a year. That works out to 1,300 calories a day. Roughly 1.3 billion tons of food waste is created every year around the world, 
worth nearly $680 billion in industrialized countries and $310 billion in developing countries. There are economic drivers that should make us stop wasting and losing this food. There's environmental drivers and there's social drivers. Take, for instance, packaging. Retailers push two-for-one sales to get products off the shelves. But buying more usually results in eating less. So the extra food and its wrapping gets tossed. We overproduce in Canada and globally, and we do that because we've really lost the intrinsic value of food. This is the opposite of waste not, want not. Huge amounts of resources are needed to grow and distribute the food we ultimately throw out. And while getting rid of that food might leave your fridge clean, what it does to the atmosphere is a nightmare. If uh, food waste were its own country, it would be the third largest country in terms of uh, greenhouse gas emissions. As food breaks down, it releases methane gas. And with so much of it piling up, the entire world feels the impact. If it were its own sector of the economy, it would be the second largest sector of the economy after uh, ground transfer, uh, after transportation in terms of its share of greenhouse gas emissions. The UN's Sustainable Development Goals would have consumer and retail food waste by 2030. Efforts in Canada will be undertaken by the Ministry of Environment and Climate Change in conjunction with both the U.S. and Mexican governments. We can't do it right unless we're all measuring it the same way. And with holiday season fast approaching, think twice about your menu. Buy less. Like, it's really not complicated. Buy less. Otherwise, we may have to rethink the meaning of junk food. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. A Canadian BMX rider led his team to an enormous victory. Have a look. Whoa. Drew Besenson tackled the highest BMX park ever built. The stage was set up for Red Bull Uncontained and was assembled in the Netherlands. This competition featured the world's top best freestyle BMX riders. Drew originally grew up in Nova Scotia, where he spent his winters practicing his passion for riding. Good for him. That's awesome. Crazy kids. Just do, I it's was, a lot of talent. It's a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, courage to do that. No kidding. I always wonder how they how they practice no fear. that stuff. Like, oh my how many goodness. times do you got to crash? Uh, yeah, People how many like, broken bones does he have? Probably a few. Evil Knievel. Like, yeah, I right? Right. Uh, Canucks are hurting a wee bit. Uh, mm. Not as bad as that. Alex Edler doesn't look like he's going to play tonight in the rematch against the Oilers. We'll uh, talk a bit about that when we come back. Revisit the Canucks' big win last night in Edmonton. And uh, NFL's getting the playoff pictures really starting to shape up and really good news for the Seahawks today, even though they didn't play. We'll tell you about that, too. All right. Thanks so much. <sighs> Hockey. <laughs> Isn't it comforting? Well, yeah, it's nice. On the Canucks don't often play both nights of the weekend. Exactly. But, uh, you know, it gives people a chance to sit back and relax. Don't have to rush home from work. Agreed. Sit in there, watch us, then watch the game. Why not? Thanks, Colleen. The uh, Canucks and Oilers go right back at it again tonight at Rogers Arena after the Canucks won 5-2 last night in Edmonton. Both teams are a little banged up. Alex Edler not expected to play after leaving the game in the third period last night with an upper body injury. Zach Cassian. Goalie Mike Smith and Chris Russell won't play for Edmonton. We'll see how much gas the Canucks have in the tank playing their seventh game in their seventh different uh, city over the past couple of weeks. Last night, Pedersen and Bester did not get a point, but the Canucks still won. That is always a good sign when you get the secondary scoring. Tied 2-2 in the second. Tanner Pearson driving the net. Then knocks the rebound just over the line. Pearson up to seven goals on the season. That was his second of the game. 3-2 Canucks. Then Pearson to Horvat. To Louis Erickson. 
If it feels like you haven't heard that this year, it's because it's his first goal and first point for the $6 million a year man. 4-2 after two. Third period, just over a minute in. Josh Lebo gets his first in 15 games. 5-2 Canucks, and they weren't blown a three-goal third period lead this time like they did in Pittsburgh. Jacob Markstrom, big save on Connor McDavid, who they held to just a goal and an assist last night. 5-2 Oilers win, same two teams tonight. Oscar Fantenberg could make his debut tonight in place of Edler. Also uh, NHL tonight, Habs and Bruins. Canadians on a seven-game losing skid. First period just two minutes in off the turnover. Yoel Armia turns and fires past Tuka Rask. If the Habs could just end the game right there, they'd do it. But it's early, 1-0. It actually stayed that way until the third, and the Bruins kept coming, and finally, you knew it would happen. David Pasternak with the slapper past Kerry Price is 25th. That leads the NHL. And then on the power play, David Krejci, nice little quick pass to David Backus. That was the winner. The Bruins win 3-1, and the Habs have lost eight in a row. The Seahawks don't play until tomorrow night when they host the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. Seattle will know by then if they have a shot at getting into first place. For that to happen, they needed a 49ers loss earlier today in Baltimore. Rainy, cold day in Baltimore. 49ers trying to snap the Ravens' seven-game win streak. San Fran with just the one loss to the Seahawks. And the Niners come out with purpose. Jimmy Garoppolo 33 yards to the rookie Debo Samuel on San Francisco's first possession. 7-0, Niners with the lead, but Baltimore answers right back. Lamar Jackson, great young quarterback for the Ravens with his NFL-leading 25th touchdown pass of the year to Mark Andrews, ties it at 7. Jackson only threw for 105 yards today, but he ran for 101, including this TD run in the second as he keeps it and goes in relatively easily. He's up to 977 rush yards through 12 games, but the 49ers answer... Raheem Mostert is going to find a seam here and break one tackle there, take it all the way, 40 yards. It was a tight ball game start to finish. Two of the best teams in the NFL. It came down to the final play, tied at 17. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker just happens to be the most accurate kicker in NFL history for the win from 49 yards out. Tough in these conditions, but Tucker puts it through. Eight straight wins for the Ravens. They go to 10-2. and two. Uh, The Ravens have beaten the Seahawks, 49ers, and Patriots this year. They are certainly the best, I think, right now in the NFL. Rams and cards from Phoenix. L.A. really can't afford another loss. Or making the playoffs will be nearly impossible for last year's NFC champs. They've had problems scoring this year, but look more like the 2018 Rams today. Jared Goff, two yards to Tyler Higbee, made it 20 to nothing for the Rams at the half, and they kept up the assault in the second half as Goff will find Cooper Cup to make it 27-0, and then the defense chips in Taylor Rapp with the pick six of Kyler Murray as the Rams hammered the cards 34-7 to get to 7-5. and five. Rams host the Seahawks next Sunday night. Packers and Giants, Green Bay looking to bounce back after getting throttled by the 49ers last week. First quarter, Aaron Rodgers, 37-yard pass to Alan Lazard who makes the catch in a blizzard. See what I did there? Snowing hard there in New York. 14-7 Packers. They were only up four in the fourth, but then they put it away on this Rodgers to Devontae Adams TD. Pack go to 9-3 and three after downing the Giants 31-13. Packers with the inside track to win the NFC North. Only the Vikings are close. Browns and Steelers, first game since the infamous helmet-swinging incident back on November 14th, but this game was civil, no fallout. Steelers were down 10-0, but uh, that guy you just saw, rookie quarterback Devlin Hodges in just his second NFL start, 
led Pittsburgh back late first half, 30 yards to James Washington to tie it at 10. And then in the third, Hodges going deep again, 41 yards to James Washington one more time. And great catch by Washington. Had a day hit, uh, today for him. And then that led to this short TD run by Benny Snell. And the Steelers win it 20-13. to 13. They go to 7-5, 20-13. That should be there in the second wild card position right now. Raiders and Chiefs. Oakland with a chance to pull even uh, with the Chiefs atop the Just AFC West the for the victory. But this was all Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, three yards to Daryl Williams. Mahomes' 70th touchdown pass in just his 27th NFL game, fastest ever in NFL history to 70. Later, Mahomes runs it in himself, 13-yarder, 14-0 Chiefs, and their defense also chipped in. Derek Carr picked off by one Thornhill, and he's going to take it all the way back. 46-yard pick six as the Chiefs go to 8-4 and four after throttling the Raiders 40-9. Welcome back. The Toronto Raptors maybe have even surprised themselves how good they've been so far this season. Despite the fact they've been without Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka for nearly a month, Toronto has the third best record in the NBA. Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet have picked up where they left off in the NBA playoffs. But the Raptors' young bench players have really picked up the slack. And there's no doubt the Raptors are contenders to get back to the NBA Finals again. Tonight, they took on the Utah Jazz, one of the best teams in the West. Raps a perfect 8-0 so far at home. And they came out firing. Mark Gasol off the feed from Siakam. 11 for Gasol in the first quarter. Siakam also had it going with those uh, blue shoes. And one there for uh, Siakam, 37-20 after one. And one of those bench guys, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Great energy defensively, also can score. Drive and basket here, 52-27 Toronto. And then more from Siakam. Hits the three here. Toronto led 77-37 at the break. Siakam had 35 on the night. The 40-point halftime lead, the largest in franchise history. Serge Ibaka back in the lineup tonight with the basket and one. Ibaka with 13 points in his return. And the Raptors win again 130-110. to They are 9-0 at home and 15-4 overall. English Premiership, Leicester City and Everton. Fox is looking to get back into sole possession of second place. Down 1-0 in the second half until Leicester do what they do best. Attack with pace and it's Jamie Vardy scoring for the sixth straight match. Tremendous feed from Kelechi Iannaccio. It's 1-1 and then in stoppage time it's Iannaccio again. Barely onside, maintains his balance, fires home the game winner. Originally they called it offside but overturned on video review. Leicester City win 2-1. They're in second but eight points back of Liverpool. Also Man United taking on Aston Villa. Tied 1-1 in the 64th. Victor Lindelof with the header. Aston Villa defender headed it back, and Lindelof heads it in. 2-1 United, but just two minutes later, Tyrone Ming will equalize for Villa. United argued it was offside, but the goal stood 2-2 the final. United, four wins, four losses, six draws, ninth place in the standings, which is not up to par for them and their supporters. BC High School Football Championship last night at BC Place. AAA Senior Varsity Final Series. Lord Tweedsmirror against Powerhouse Vancouver College. First quarter, Van College strike. Alex Nyvelt going deep to Jason Soriano. Great catch. Powers his way in for the touchdown. 6-0 Irish later in the first. Soriano again finds the seam and gallops 45 yards untouched. Second TD of the game. It's 15-0. Second quarter, Nivelt to Soriano for his 
hat-trick touchdown. This one for 55 yards. Three big play TDs by the Irish up 22-0. And the Nivelt Soriano show continued in another big play. 42 yards here. Another touchdown. Soriano's fourth of the half. It was 36-0 at the break. Soriano would add a pick six for his fifth TD in the second half. And Van College, in resounding fashion, beat Lord Tweedsmuir 45-0 to win the AAA Senior Varsity Championship at BC Place. You know what? It's just that mentality. You know, it's your last game of your high school career. You know, you want to end it off strong. And I think, I think we all did that today, not just me. So I'm really proud of everyone. Honestly, I'm really just so damn happy for these kids because, I, like I said, this fire has burned in them for two years, and they're a very incredibly hardworking, responsible, respectful group of young men. Isn't that nice? They'll remember it forever. For you know, sure. A championship like that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, Barry. This is your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb has 27 centimeters of snow on the ground. Rouse has 20. Revelstoke has a healthy snow base of 85 centimeters. Fernie has 31. Kicking Horse opens next weekend. Big White has 54 centimeters of snow on the ground, 86 at Silver Star. Apex has 70 centimeters of snow on the ground, a snow base of 150 at Powder King. Whitewater opens next weekend. Okay, we are going to get another check of the forecast, but first, Grouse Mountain's two resident grizzlies are now in hibernation. Grinder and Kula are asleep, as seen from the Bear Den webcam, of course. The pair fattened up for their long rest, gorging on food from September until last Wednesday. Grinder entering hibernation at a plump 420 kilograms. That's 930 pounds. Kula, a massive 475 kilograms or 1,050 pounds. Both will hibernate until next spring. They won't stay asleep all that time as they aren't true hibernators. The grizzlies are official in, officially in winter dormancy, meaning their heart rates and their body temperatures don't drop to extremes. And they can roll over in their sleep and even wander outside their dens. And just get, get a glass of water. You know how okay, dehydrated you, know. you get at this time of year. Sometimes exactly. a glass of water. No kidding. Okay, Kasha has one more look at the forecast. Is it snowing anywhere yet, Kasha? Yeah, actually, at the Abbotsford Airport, they're reporting light snow over there. YVR, it's rain, but again, it's out in the Fraser Valley that we are seeing that. This is a weak system, by the way. That's why it's been such a tricky one to forecast. Now, Abbotsford, two centimeters of snow possible over there, but it's eastern sections, closer to Hope, five to ten centimeters possible, beginning tonight, wrapping up tomorrow afternoon. And these are some numbers to think about for the general area. So the North Shore Mountains, Maple Ridge, all upper level upper levels of Metro Vancouver do have a chance of trace amounts of snow through the overnight so watch out for the morning commute and give yourself some extra time guys all right thanks for all of those warnings uh, do you have your snow tires on no no it's always a race home to get back you know make get the car home before that happens i just uh, i t- just take the roads where the snow hasn't hit yet you you and i are the opposite i i put my snow tires on in, in july in, in almost Almost. I'm prepared. Well, you are prepared. Yeah, exactly. I like to live being a little dangerous. You like to live on the edge. Jordan is going to have more on the weather tonight at 11 o'clock. And be sure to tune in to Global News Morning starting at 5 a.m. where meteorologist Mark Madriga will have all the details. Hopefully it won't arrive too badly, but stay tuned for all the details. Thanks for watching.